Are you misunderstood because you're too direct? My next guest, Jordan Goldrich, has been told as much. So what did he do? Well, he built a leadership coaching practice working with people he calls no-bullshit executives around a straightforward communication style. And he even wrote a book called Workplace Warrior about compassion, respect, and being direct. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. Off My Duff is all about getting off your backside and finally, making your impact by living your truth. If you are an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you're in the right place. We chat with guests from seven figures to just starting out because that's how we roll. Off My Duff is the nudge you need to expand your business and slay resistance. So without further ado, I invite you to get off your duff and let's get started. Now, here's your host, Duff Gardner. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast where we focus on helping the little guy get off their butt to make the big impact they want in the world. We always have a little bit of fun with that. And I'm speaking of fun, I've got a good friend of mine here today, uh, someone I've actually done some work with and who I have a high level of respect for. Uh, and that person is Jordan Goldrich. Jordan, welcome to Off My Duff, the Entrepreneur Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here and it's a pleasure to be on your duff. <laughs> I don't know how to take that one, Jordan, but thank you, I think. Um, no, I was looking forward to interviewing you because... Um, we, we've, we've done some fun stuff together, and I, I love the work that you're doing in the world. Now, Jordan's an executive coach, which is, which is kind of cool, because um, I don't get too many of you folks on this podcast. But what I love about what you're doing is that uh, you're all about authenticity. And tell me more about the kinds of people that you work with in your practice, Jordan. Well, the, the kinds of people I work with are executives who are very results driven and they tend to take charge to lead their team. They're never out of the fight. They accomplish the mission and it really is all about getting results. <clears throat> Unfortunately, they also periodically get experienced as abrasive or disrespectful or worse. And so uh, most of the, most of the uh, thought leaders out there who speak about them and who talk about them and who write books about them, call them demeaning names like bully and jerk, etc. Right. And in my humble opinion, I think it's somewhat hypocritical to call people demeaning names because you want them to be more respectful. But more important, but more importantly, I think we need what I refer to as workplace warriors uh, in this crazy time that we're in. We're in volatile, uncertain times. Mm -hmm. And you really need people who are committed to getting it done no matter what. And so the paradox about it is that we need them and they're also hard to deal with. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and actually, the, the subtitle of your book, which is also Workplace Warrior, which looks fantastic, by the way. I love the I love the symbolism in the book. Thank you. Is uh, it's people skills for the no bullshit executive? Yes. So tell me more about that. 
You know, I'm not sure exactly where it came from, um, but it really came out of my annoyance with uh, books like this. There was the New York Times bestseller called The No Asshole Rule. Okay. And, uh, you know, jerks and ties and snakes and suits. And, you know, it was my way of just saying, you know, these, these people are just very straightforward. They're not being politically correct. They're not being over polite. They're not being overprotective. Most of them don't want to hurt people. So that's, that's kind of where it came from. Right, right. Now, I remember talking to you before about the types of individuals that you serve. And you yes. kind of break it down in the book. So I was always interested in how you break down the different types of executives that have these things. Yes. You want to walk us through that because I find that really fascinating. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So there are, I, ha I have it broken down into four types, and that would right. be four types of no bullshit executive. Right. The first one is I refer to as the warrior or the workplace warrior. And the okay. warrior is the master. Okay. They are just on the job all the time. They are uh, highly demanding, very little disrespect if they've got their act together. I, do you remember uh, or do you still watch? I guess I, I guess with COVID now, I'm, I'm not sure that they're going to be on anymore, but uh, NCI, the original NCIS with Mark Harmon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's, he's sort of one of my uh, avatars for a uh, no bullshit executive. And then Hetty on no, on on Los Angeles, both of them. Okay. So that, that would be a good example. They're never, they're really, I don't, I can't imagine when, think of a time when either one of them was disrespectful, but you know, if you're not playing the game right, you know, you're, you're withering in your shoes. <laughs> so the second type I call the scientist, those okay. tend to be uh, uh, scientists. They tend to be engineers. They tend to be uh, uh, other kinds of scientists. They tend to be very analytical. They tend to be introverted. Uh, they're really focused on getting the job done and solving big puzzles, and they don't have a lot of time for interpersonal relationships. Right. So, so they're often experienced as not available, or if the people they're talking to have sort of fragile self-esteem, they may be experienced as being disrespectful. Got it. Okay. Then the third group uh, I call abrasive, and that's the kind I was. Right. Who are you? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and, and, you know, well, I, I've gotten a lot better. The, right. the humor about that is people who knew me 20 years ago think I'm a whole new person. People who know me now think I'm overly direct and, right. and, and right. not diplomatic enough. But right. uh, typically for most of those, again, they, they tend to be the ones who are a little bit more out there. They're the ones who probably are getting written up in those books about bullies and jerks and all of that. Okay. And there are two things about them. One is that they tend to come from cultures, either national cultures or ethnic cultures or family cultures where people are louder. Okay. So as I told you, I come from a loud New York family. Right. And there were times that people thought I was being disrespectful. In fact, um, Periodically, my wife will overhear me talking to one of my business partners who was born in El Paso. His mother's Mexican, his father's Dutch. Right. And she said, you know, I kept thinking you were going to break up, you know, get out of there. And I'm like, why? Well, because you're yelling at each other. No, we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an element of that. And then the other element is, is that their self-esteem is so tied to being the best, to 
um, you're solving great things, achieving great things, and even to right. serving, that when the people around them don't perform, they experience it as personal attack. Got it. And so a lot of what is taken as they're attacking people is really a defensive reaction. Right. And then the third group I call the bully. Ah. And uh, largely because I couldn't come up with a better name, I thought about sociopath for a while, but that seemed even worse. You know, right. so I'm trying to live with myself around don't call people names. Right. Um, and there's a small group of people, um, in my experience, it's like 5% who really don't care about other people and maybe even get pleasure from hurting them. Right. And those are, those are not the people that I work with. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, now, when you work with people, uh, again, the branding and everything is fabulous. And, you know, just in terms of, um, I think it's, a, it's an underserved topic that you're bringing up. Uh, for sure, I think the listeners are going to be curious, how did you come into, uh, you know, becoming interested in this so much so that you've written this book about it? Yeah, so... As I started to relate, I grew up in a loud New York family. I also grew up in a city housing project that was built for returning war veterans. So it was okay. all working class people, very direct, right. very um, kind of values around honesty, around directness, around competence and right. getting to the truth, which means what's really going on. Don't hand me that line. Let me get under there. Right. And so developed a very straightforward, direct communication style. <clears throat> and when I became the chief operations officer of a small healthcare company here in San Diego, uh, it worked okay, because I'm now in San Diego rather than New York. Right. And I spent some time in St. Louis too. But, uh, and, but in a fast growing entrepreneurial company, I got away with it. But we were bought by a large insurance company. Okay. And I wasn't bright enough to figure out that I couldn't talk the same way in a fast-growing entrepreneurial company as in a nonprofit insurance company, multi-level, that was uh, transitioning to for-profit. So got it. somewhere along the line, I got a call from my boss one day. It was about three and a half years. And she said, would you come down to my office? And I said, okay. And I got down there and sitting there with her was the senior vice president of human resources whose office was three and a half hours away. And uh, they proceeded to let me know I was being fired for mismanaging my budget. And oh. I, was a little, I was a little curious about that because I knew there was something wrong with my budget. And I kept asking the person from the finance function for a breakdown and she kept not giving it to me. And, you know, they basically said, you know, you're gone. We're not discussing this anymore. Goodbye. And they walked me out. Next day or in the next week, I bumped into the woman from the finance function at a coffee shop and she came over and she apologized to me. She said, Jordan, I owe you an apology. I said, why? She said, well, you know how for the last, you know, three, four months you've been telling me there's something wrong with your budget and I've been looking at you like I have no clue. Yeah. And she said, and you know how um, you asked for a breakdown of your budget at least twice and I never gave it to you. Right. Yeah. Right. She said, well, I knew what was wrong, but I was told by our boss that if I gave you the breakdown, I'd, I'd lose my job. Wow. So a little bit of a, I guess because I'm on your show, a little bit of a kick in the duff. <laughs> right. 
but um, not really, because I knew I had a, you know, I, throughout my whole life, I've gotten feedback that uh, I'm too direct and not respectful enough. And I knew she wanted more respect for me and I wasn't giving it to her. So I could either get upset and feel victimized by the fact that she set me up. Right. Or I could do what I teach my, at the time, counseling clients to do. And now um, coaching clients, when something like this happens, is focus on what you controlled. Right. And, and make it better. T- take it as a lesson. So ultimately, that's what got me involved in this kind of coaching and ultimately to write the book. Wow. That's really interesting because I think like we have this, like we definitely have a culture now around having conversations around bullying. And sometimes it's, you know, it's useful to take a step back and look at what's happening from both sides. I think a lot of us have a good intention uh, in, in the way we communicate. And so I, I just love the message of trying to be reflective of somebody else's, excuse me, communication style in the context of a conversation. Yeah. That you know, actually, by the way, that is what it boils down to is speaking somebody else's language. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, so you've, you've taken that and now, so you're, you're working with executives around this methodology and tell me more about that. Like what kinds of, uh, clients are you typically working with these days? Well, typically the client is somebody who has been told that he or she needs to go to a leadership development program. Ah. And in some cases they've been told they've taken it further and told them that, listen, if you don't stop talking to people the way you're talking, it's going to have a negative impact. Right. But usually it hasn't been that clear. Usually okay. people, you know, like, hey, we're having a leadership development program and some of our best leaders are going, why don't you go? Right. And, right. and they get a 360 evaluation, which is, you know, somewhere between eight and 20 people evaluate you, peers, bosses, reports. Right. And what comes back is this anonymous report where people are saying stuff about them that is, for most of them, pretty shocking because nobody's told them. Right. And then, and then probably they get triggered, you know, like just based in terms of what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine even just, you know, we're, 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 we're recording this during right in the middle of COVID. And so obviously there's a lot more remote workers, virtual work, um, companies are more distributed. So those um, connections in that style of communication, I mean, it's something that we're all having to work on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 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 I think more difficult now, partly because you also have your family around you. Right. And you're invading, you know, if you are an executive who's a tough executive, you're now invading your family's territory. And if you deal with them with the kind of tone that you've been dealing with people at work. Right. You're headed for trouble. (laughs) Well, I think the other cool reason for having you on this podcast, Jordan, is because, you know, this, you've, this is a journey that you've gone on too. I mean, there's a lot of people who, for a bunch of different reasons today, have gone from offline work to whether you want to call it digital, virtual, online kind of things. Yeah. So it's definitely a journey. eh? And um, so tell us about that perspective for you. Well, when I decided to do this uh, was I was still working from home, but going to the offices of my clients. And so I would say about 20% of the work that I did was virtual, you know, through zoom or whatever. But about 80% of it is I went to their 
to their offices. Sometimes I flew to their office and spent a half a day with them or what have you. Now, if they were from other countries, they may have come into the United States for some kind of program or another, and we'd have a half a day to a day together, and then the rest of it would, would be uh, virtual, or most of the rest of it would be virtual. And right. now that COVID is here, uh, I haven't seen a client in person since February. So, wow. it, yeah. And it's fine. I, I'm kind of used to it. What's been interesting, though, is my wife works for the city of San Diego, and she's the uh, she's in the safety. She's the program manager for the safety and environmental health department right, right. under risk management. And they have her home four days a week and going into the office one day a week. All right. And we are both very straightforward characters. Uh, there are times I think she makes me look like, you know, <laughs> like I'm the soft one. And uh, we, we, she set up originally in the dining room. We have two bedrooms and a dining room and the third right. bedroom is my office. Okay. And um, uh, boy, those first two, three weeks were really difficult, uh, largely because we could hear each other. And right. so we ended up cleaning out the, um, the, the guest bedroom and setting up her office. So we're, we're doing just fine now. <laughs> I can just imagine your conversations. What do you want for dinner? What do you mean what I want for dinner? I want, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. You're right. uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think that's something we're all wrestling with is, is just how to, how to create that perfect setup. Yes. And uh, you know, you've got lots of experience in life and you're stepping into this, this new paradigm and I, um, yeah, it's been fun to get to know you and to get to see the kinds of things that you're doing with your business. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, by the way, it's been great working with you. You, um, you haven't been clear about it, but you've been my coach and helped me get my funnel up for the last, uh, over the last three months. And I am not, as you know, the most technically proficient person in the world. Yeah. But you know, so, the, the nice thing about working with you to be, to be honest, is you put the work in, you know, like I, I have to say that if, of all the clients I work with, Jordan, you you are amazing at putting the work and you do the work. So um, as someone who's doing the work with you, that's very gratifying. So, well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, totally. Now, uh, on the topic of reset, like setting up the house in the way that works best for you and create a, creating the clearing for your business to be successful. Yes. Uh, I, I, I do like to ask this question of all my guests. I, it's interesting how people, what people's take is on it. Uh, I kind of geek out on this topic of resistance. I hear this so much. And so for you in particular, I think we've talked before. Uh, I grew up in Alberta, Canada, so I, I trend towards meat and potatoes. And so the more I was in these kind of areas where, you'd, you know, you'd have people who are transformational leaders and speaking to them, this topic of resistance would come up quite a bit. Yes. So I'm curious about your, your thoughts on the topic of resistance. Like how do you push through it and how do you process that concept? So in terms of some of the really high performers I know, I, I am less dogged in my overcoming resistance than others. Right. On the other hand, I've been incredibly persistent throughout my life. But I do find I'm 67 years old now. And there's two conversations in my head, one of which is, you know, get the work done, do it, et cetera. And there's another piece of it that, you know, Jordan, 
<laughs> you aren't going to be around on the planet for all that much longer. It's time for you to relax and have a good time. And so as I look at my own resistance, most of it, first of all, I am very extroverted. And just to, for your audience, what that means is I think out loud. Right. And uh, introverted people process internally. And also I am energized by connecting with people. Okay. So if I have to sit and work on a report or write an article or do something like that, you know, I usually have about 45 minutes, maybe an hour if I'm really into it before I just go, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. So I really need to manage my extroversion. And what I do is I, I make calls. So this is, this is fun. I'm, I'm having a conversation with somebody I know and like and respect, but also, you know, I'm on stage and I'm, I'm having a good time. So I didn't have to do anything to get ready for this. Right. But after this, I've got a bunch of administrative work I have to do. And so, and, and I do tend to put it off. So that's my major resistance is, mm. is when I have to go against my extroversion and be internal and write things and stuff like that. Well, I think you're a good person to speak to that topic. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, I hadn't really thought about this before we were speaking, but you know, there's, there's quite a, I'll call it, there's sort of a cancel culture that's occurring right now where people are very measured and their responses to things or they yes. shut people off if they don't agree. So, you know, wherever you fit on that paradigm or that, that sort of structure or that of, of thinking around that, I think that uh, it's refreshing to have people who speak their mind out loud uh, you know, and state their opinion out loud in, in a way that's constructive. So, um, yeah, I, re I really appreciate it when it happens. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and I really have to watch myself these days because I've got lots of opinions about a lot of things that are being written. Right. Of course, of course, which, I mean, actually that brings me to another question, which is, um, you know, given your journey, because it's extensive, you've had many different experiences in your work life and career. Um, what would you say the biggest insight for the listeners you would have um, in business and in life? So is it okay if I give you two? You'll have to pay me some money, but sure. Okay. <laughs> well, the first one is for me personally. Okay. The biggest insight that I've had is that, um, and I'm, I'm a fan of the Dalai Lama. Okay. And one of the things he said is, if you want to be, if you want others to be happy, cultivate compassion. If you want to be happy, cultivate compassion for others. And so I have a chapter in my book called um, Cultivating Compassion for People Your Brain is Telling You Don't Deserve It. Okay, great. So my, my biggest learning was and is, is that when I'm having one of those reactions around, you know, what are you, an idiot? That kind of reaction. That right. I have to remind myself that this is another human being just like me who is imperfect, who is suffering and work towards being, you know, showing respect and compassion, which by the way, does not mean letting people off the hook. Sure. The other thing is, is to, to really challenge my, well, we're talking about biases these days. I, you know, everybody knows there's biases and we've sure. had them for years, but very often I have assumptions about people that I meet and it's usually not based on 
race. I, I grew up with all kinds of folks, so I'm, I'm pretty used to uh, interacting with people who are black, who are Puerto Rican, who are Asian, whatever. Sure. That's who I grew up with. We all played, played together in the playground, got along. Sounds good. But, but regardless of, you know, what somebody looks like, I have, uh, you know, occasionally get a reaction to somebody. And my experience has been, check it out. And particularly when somebody says something that makes absolutely no sense, get a little curious, find out what's behind it before you make a snap judgment and decide that it's not right. And I can't tell you how many times that's come back to be, you know, what I would refer to as a real blessing. That makes sense. Yeah, I like that. So compassion and curiosity. Yes. Fantastic. Um, now, what's what's cool about you is uh, you are also in the podcasting world. You're stepping into that. And yes. you are telling me earlier that people can find your podcast at workplacewarriorinc.com. That's fantastic. What kinds of people are you interviewing for that? Well, I'm either interviewing executives who have been, like me, abrasive and difficult and what have you, uh, or executives who are just very good at driving results without damaging relationships. Right. And then the other group would be executive coaches or other thought leaders who have worked and interacted with those people or written books about them or what have you. So it, re it really is about this issue of abrasiveness in the workplace and getting a new perspective on what it is and how to deal with it. I've always loved the expression that you had come up with about driving results without damaging relationships. Yes. I think that's a really good manifesto for a lot of people that you're speaking about. Thank you. Thank you. It is not easy to do in our society. We have microaggressions these days. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and now there's also a place where people can go to find out more about working with you. And so they can get a copy of your book, a digital copy of your book, correct? Yeah. And then that would be just workplacewarrior.com. So they go to workplacewarrior.com and you can download a full digital copy of Jordan's book, Workplace Warrior, which um, I've seen some, I've, I've seen some, some, some uh, parts of it. Fantastic read and a uh, really well-written book. So that's awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, uh, make sure you check out Jordan at workplacewarrior.com and as well go to check out his podcast, workplacewarriorinc.com to learn more about what Jordan's doing in the executive coaching world. And I think even beyond that, I think what you talk about is super apropos with um, you know the culture we live in today and the disruption we're all facing, I think it's a refreshing voice. Well, thank you, and it's been a real pleasure to work with you as my coach, by the way, and <laughs> um, and uh, learning each other's language. So, thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks, Jordan. And uh, so, so with that, I will say thank you as well to all my guests who have come to listen to this episode today of Off My Duff, the Entrepreneur Podcast. And so I'll just remind you that as you go out into the world and to make the impact that you want on the clients that you want and to be that little guy playing the big game, to do this, to teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. We'll see you next time. 
Hey everyone, I'm Duff Gardner, and you've been listening to my show, Off My Duff, the Entrepreneur Podcast, where we're all about getting off your backside and making your impact by living your truth. If you're like me and you're an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you need an offer that sells. An offer that sells helps you get traction with your business, more sales, more clients, more gigs, more fans, and more deals, period. And here's what I believe. Your offer is the purest expression of your truth. So that's why I've created a free ebook, Offers That Sell, the eight-step revenue breakthrough system. Simply go to offersthatsell.com forward slash book to grab your free copy, and you can even follow it up with a chat with me, should you wish. It's been wonderful to have you here with us today. And as you get off your backside to make your impact on the world, remember one thing, teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. See you next time. Bye now.